Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to the Jesus That's Good News podcast. This is a space where we're going to share the gospel, aka the good news, to anyone who has a vulnerability to pull up a chair at Jesus' table with no reservation needed. Julie Evans. Devin Beasley. Mrs. Devin Beasley. Good morning. How are you? I love the enthusiasm when you say, Jesus, that's good news. It's so good. <laughs> I got to bring it. It is so good. And last week was so good. I really enjoyed our conversation last week. I hope all of our listeners did too. And thank you guys for tuning in to, I guess, episode three, if you want to call it. But um, I'm really excited. I know I always say that. I'm really excited to jump into this one. But it's just so good. It's just so good. I mean, we, Devin and I almost called this podcast the so good podcast because yeah mm-hmm. because every time we would get together and do a little bit of studying and reading about Jesus's life we would just walk away saying that is so good i said it every bible study julie that's so good so good yeah and just having the so good we thought people are going to think it was a cooking show which i cannot cook so we are not going to go down that bad route. idea so bad <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about the father's perspective and the older son's perspective. And so, Julie, why don't you talk a little bit about how, you know, you have a great quote here. Somewhere in the story, you find your story. Yeah, I just, I think we talked last week about why this story is is universal and why people who were never even uh, raised in the church or have never really considered themselves Jesus followers are aware of this story. And I think it is true that somewhere in the story, we do find our story. And I think we've all had that experience of of being the lost son. I I think we've all had the experience of being the older son, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. And of course, we all crave the love, I think, of a father. I was was reminded, you saying that, I was reminded of one of the first times I ever went to uh, counseling. Uh, It was about 20 years ago. And I remember the counselor saying that everyone's greatest desire is to be fully known and to be fully loved. And I think that really resonates with people that someone would know everything about me, uh, the good and the bad, and and still love me. And that's what we see here in this story. That's what we see from the Father. So it is good news. It's really good news. And I love that you said we crave that because we do. We crave that unconditional love. And it's funny because we crave it without knowing that it's there for us to take. Yeah, we'll go down so many other paths looking for it, won't we? In dysfunctional relationships and through addictions. But the desire and that, like you said, the craving is always there uh, to want to be fully known and fully loved. And again, that's the beauty of this story. Yeah, so last week we talked about the son's perspective, the one who went out and he started acting a fool, as we said. He went and squandered his life, squandered all of everything that he had. He took from his father, and he had to make the courageous decision, not only when he hit rock bottom, but to move forward in life and realize that that's not the life he wanted to live. And he had to make the first intentional steps back home, Mm. knowing what was ahead of Mm -hmm. him. Well, I guess I should say what he thought was ahead of him. And those steps home were the first steps to changing his life. They really were. And you talked about him returning home. I mean, there was an expectation and a reasonable expectation, actually, Devin, that he would be punished upon his return. We talked last week about the incredible amount of shame that he brought to himself, to his father, to the whole family. To the community. Yes, that's right. To the community, too. 
I mean, they all had an opinion about what should have happened or what should happen to the son. Should he ever return? And so it's pretty brave. It's a pretty, what do you say, you basketball people, that's a really baller move for this kid to decide to be intentional. I love, Devin, how you use that word for him to be intentional about returning home because I'm going to share real quick. According to Jewish law in the book of Deuteronomy 21, one of the things that could happen was pretty bad, actually. It says here that if uh, if a family had a rebellious son, it doesn't, by the way, mention anything about a daughter, but if you had a rebellious son, it says literally that the father and the mother should take hold of them, take them to the gate of the town and tell the elders in the city, you know, this is my son, he's been he's been stubborn and rebellious. He won't obey us. He's a, a glutton and a drunkard. And then all of the men of the town have the great honor, if you will, of picking up stones and stoning him to death. Jeez, old Pete. I know, right? This is from Deuteronomy 21. So you got to think that the son is thinking, I know how this story should play out. I know how it's going to end. Yeah. It's going to be me being stoned. <laughs> yeah, right? But actually, there was one other option, and, and it's this Hebrew term called kizaza, which is really fun to say, but I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But here was the second option, okay? So he could get stoned, and I don't mean take really good drugs. Yeah, we don't mean in the, I shouldn't say the good way, but better than death That's way. right. Or something else could happen. And in this this ritual called kizaza, um, the entire community would be invited to come to your house. And the son who was rebellious would be placed outside and the family would gather around and they would take a a clay pot and they would smash it on the ground. And and that would represent, you know, basically the broken relationships that he had with the family members and the community. You know, his only recourse then as part of going through that public shaming would be this, is that he could be hired on as a slave to work in his family's house. Right. And that's what he was saying. That was in part of his begging or the monologue that I talked about last week that he had in his head that, Dad, I'll just come and work for you. Just hire me as one of your servants. Hire me as a slave. That's exactly what he thought was going to happen. Yeah, I think he had those two options in mind. I'll either be stoned to death, but maybe if I plead for this other ritual, you know, maybe if I plead for the public shaming, they'll buy into it. I mean, Devin, could you imagine, like, this is just hitting me. If I look at the worst mistake I ever made in my life and my family was to place me, I live in a very small town, but if my family would have taken me and and put me outside their door and invited the community to come and they would proclaim, like my biggest mistake ever, Mm. I mean, having to endure that shame, I, I just can't imagine that happening at all. Um, and how relieved I would have felt if, if there would have been another better option. Yes, and that's the thing is I'm my own worst critic. I think about things that I messed up on from three years ago, and Mm. I still wake up like, God, I can't believe I did that, (laughs) right? Yeah. And it's like to have that put out on display for everybody to see in your community, I I can only hope that there's a better option. I Like why would you even volunteer to come back to that? Right. You know, knowing that that is the better of the two options. Like I'm just thinking – I don't know, would it have been better to stay like with the pigs and be so dirty? Mm-hmm. But man, this kid is thinking that that is the best option. But he doesn't know about the third option. No. About oh. to hit him. 
Why don't you talk about that in Luke 15? Yeah, you got to read Luke 15, verse 20. It is just worth meditating on and taking it all in. And try to try to imagine this happening. Visualize this, that it says, while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Mm, yes. And the good news is this. God is just waiting for you to return. Yes. God is going to run to you, not walk, run, when he sees you coming back over the hill back home. And he is just waiting to wrap his arms around you. And he's also waiting to throw you a party in front of all of the naysayers. Not only in front of them, but welcome the naysayers to celebrate with your change of heart, with your return home. So yeah, that's the crazy thing, right? The father should be inviting the community and the crowd to come for either a stoning or a public shaming ceremony. And he totally flips it. It's it's what we call sometimes what Jesus was doing is establishing something called an upside down kingdom. That what you expect is is totally turned upside down and what you receive is something totally different. And And here we have the father throwing a lavish party while the son was expecting shame or death. It's just fantastic that is unconditional love and that is unbelievable grace that the father is showing the son and here's the fine print get your preach on i'm about to get my preach on julie the father in the story knew his son was gonna go Mm. off into into the wilderness and live his wild life he knew what was about to happen the father didn't grasp him and hold him back he had to let his son go and make the decision on his own He had to let his son go and choose the life that he wanted to live. He had to let the son hit rock bottom in order for him to grow. Mm. Because he knew the person that the son was meant to be all along. And he had to let the son figure it out. Now that is unconditional love. Mm. Is loving somebody through their hard times. And it could be from a distance away. But knowing that you're going to be there the moment that they change. I like what you said, the moment that that they change. And... It's not changing so that you behave well for the Father. This is not this this relationship with with Christ is not about behavior management. It's about bringing peace and wholeness into yourself, into relationships, and it's not about measuring your behaviors through a through a checklist. It's about understanding that true peace and and true change can only happen with and through a relationship with God. And that he allows us to make the mistakes. Yes. But we talked about this last week too, but that's why grace is always greater. Yeah. I was thinking about this, Devin, like the beauty of this is that the father doesn't even need to hear the rehearsed story. Yep. He knew all along. His love is unconditional enough to know that the moment that he saw the sun come over the hill, that it was going to be freely given to him. Yeah. The son's actions Mm -hmm. clearly spoke louder than any words that he could say. And so the love of the father, the grace of the father, the forgiveness of the father comes before the repentance, that the love was always there. And this had to drive the Pharisees crazy. Devin, we talked about Pharisees last week. Can let's let's rag on them for just a little bit again. I love to. Let, (laughs) but yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about why we just, we don't like him. At all. Yeah. yeah, because in traditional times, I guess you could say, the Pharisees in this story have been like, no way 
is the father showing that love. That son should be dead. Oh yeah. They knew the letter of the law better than anyone. They loved to brag about the fact that they knew the letter of the law. And so in this story, according to the Pharisees in the story, I, I think they're looking at Jesus. Jesus is telling this story. And, and I can see the Pharisees kind of like in the crowd, like shaking their head, like, you're messing up the story. You're saying it wrong. You're saying, <laughs> you're, you, he was, wasn't he? They're like, what are you doing, Rabbi? You're, you're butchering this story. It should have never happened like this. I just love this, that Jesus is showing us what kind of love the Father has, mm-hmm. you know, and that the Father will show a love that people don't expect. And that's exactly what changed my life when we first read this scripture, Julie, is I never felt that unconditional love from Jesus before. I always thought that I wasn't worthy enough. Mm. I wasn't good enough. I had so many things in my past that had happened that maybe I have done or just who I am in general that I didn't think was deserving. But when I read this story, that was the first time that I realized I am fully and wholly accepted and loved by Jesus. There's no mistake by that. Yeah, and I think back to, and I didn't plan on making this connection, but since you said it, you know, at the beginning, I said that my therapist told me our greatest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. And and you're echoing that right now, Devin. You're telling me that as we looked at this story, it was the first time that you ever felt fully known by God and still fully loved, fully accepted. Absolutely right. And that's when my life changed. Hmm. And this is where the son's life changed. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing we want, you know, we want to extend. This is the reason we're telling this. This is great news. We want to tell anyone out there, if you're listening, if you feel like you're far from home, Mm. come home. Just come over the hill. There's people there waiting for you. Yes. And the joy that they feel. Yes. The lost coin. That joy, the excitement. Those people on the other side of the hill, they're ready to party. They are ready to party. I did a lot of laundry this week, hoping to find loose change. (laughs) my washer and dryer so I could rejoice but alas alas all I got was clean clothes but it was okay it's all good (laughs) it's all good so yeah we want people to rest in this really really good news but Devin we got to turn a corner Mm -hmm. there's bad news in this story too hate to break it to you people but uh Jesus that's bad news so tell us tell us the bad news oh man okay so in my mind here's what I'm thinking I think Devin and this is just me, I think that as Jesus is looking at the, the Pharisees who are in the crowd listening to the story, and he's, and out beside them are the, are the quote, sinners, you know, the, the tax collectors, and, and literally Luke just says sinners, who would probably be you and I. I think the tax collectors and the sinners and those who are considered on the outside are totally digging this story. They're like, oh, this is the best news ever. The Pharisees are still not getting it. I think they're they're shaking their heads, like you said, like you're telling it wrong, mm-hmm. right? So Jesus looks at them and I think he says, okay, let me add a little bit more to this. It's almost like a second parable. Yeah, like I'm about to add you, the Pharisees. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to tag you in this. <laughs> yes, so he, he kind of goes a step further. And so the story now is no longer between just a father and his younger son, but now we have a third character that's coming in. And this guy is just no good. And make no mistake, when Jesus starts talking about this new character who is the older son, he's looking right at the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. This is meant for them. So yeah, Devin, tell a little bit about that. Yeah. So basically I'm trying to sum it up real quick. 
the older son, who is what we call like a goody two shoes, like has never done anything wrong, always did the right thing, was always working hard for his father, never asked for his inheritance, never did anything out of line. He heard all the music happening and he went up to somebody in the crowd and said, what's going on? Somebody said, your brother has come back home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come home safe and sound. So the older brother heard this and he was like, hell no, this is not how it's about to go down. He was thinking to himself, I've done everything right. Yeah. Why is this kid getting the celebration? Where's my party? And the father looked at the son basically and said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And to Mm. me, as the older brother, I'm probably still thinking, I don't care, Dad. Maybe it's like a bittersweet feeling. Like, great, I'm happy he's home. But on the flip side of that, I did everything right. I'm, I'm like the perfect son. Where's my celebration? Yeah, I want to party. I want to party. <laughs> you know why we laugh? Because here's the bad news, everyone. The bad news is the Pharisees are us. You know, growing up with a twin sister, equality always mattered. You know, if Jody was going to get something, where's mine? I want the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents were pretty good at, at like, you know, keeping that balance. But yeah, that's that would have totally been me. I can totally identify with the older son here. Absolutely, me too. Yeah, because doggone it, I want my fair share. Yeah, I, I checked all the boxes. Yeah, where's my reward? I would never say hell like Devin did in a podcast. <laughs> and this is the bad news is Devin used the word last week, hypocrite. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, nobody likes a hypocrite. And perhaps Jesus here is holding a mirror up. This is something really important that we can't overlook. Because yes, he he was directing this towards the Pharisees, but I think he was wanting us to see the Pharisees within ourselves, like the Pharisee within us, the the judgmental person that's within us, the one who is really quick to point out how others fail and how others don't meet certain standards. I can so relate. Isn't that funny how like we try to do our best to, to be the good news and to, you know, be kind to others, but there's always a little bit of Pharisees in us. Always. We have to keep ourselves in check. We had talked about, I know back a couple months ago, Discovery Plus had that documentary about Hillsong. Yes. Did you get a chance to watch that, Deb? I did. It's earth shattering. Hillsong, for those of you that don't know, is a mega church that first started in Australia and they've kind of expanded, I would maybe even say exploded. They have locations all over the world. And in this documentary, they explored all the ways basically the church has failed, whether it's sex abuse cover-ups to pastors having affairs and Devin, did you notice there was almost a call to have a weird cult-like allegiance Mm -hmm. in that church? Mm -hmm. And it was, I I walked away from that, uh, watching that documentary. I felt just really dirty. I I felt kind of ashamed. And I really wanted to get on the anti-Hillsong bandwagon. And then I was remembering, uh, Devin knows I love a good quote, but there's a fantastic quote by a guy named Brendan Manning. And Uh, it's kind of earth shattering. It says, you know, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and then deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And yes, I felt angry and sick after watching that documentary, but I had to really think about myself, Devin, and think, you know, how often, like here we are on this podcast and I'm proclaiming 
this belief and this faith in Jesus with my lips, but how often do I deny him by my actions? And am I being a hypocrite? Right. Like I said, it's keeping ourselves in check. And um, it's so, I don't know if it's just innate human nature or what it is, but um, like I have an example of how I've related to the older brother, unfortunately. Bring it, you hypocrite. I want to hear it. <laughs> I want to hear the story. So back a little background about me. I've played basketball my whole life. My first love, one of my biggest, biggest passions. I worked my butt off. I remember being a little girl in my driveway, sun going down. You're making the, the buzzer beater shot. You're counting out loud <laughs> to yourself. You're winning that national championship. So you had big hoop dreams. Big dreams, big dreams, you know, celebrating with your teams. That's what you work for. Once you get into, you know, the college level, you have one goal, and that one goal is to win a national championship. And fortunately, I was on a pretty decent team where, you know, that goal, we were inside of it every single year. And even from freshman year, we made it to the Sweet 16, and then we worked our way up to the Elite Eight my senior year, and we, we were projected to win. Oh, wow. Like, it just felt right. You know that feeling. It's like, this is it. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be this team right here. And unfortunately, we fell in the Elite Eight, um, but... I had a bittersweet feeling because the next year they went on to win a national championship. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you had already grad, you weren't part of that team. No, I was not part of that team anymore. I graduated. So it was so hard. And this is me being very honest. It was so hard to see all of the work that I put in from when I was a little girl, all my teammates put in and for it not to come to fruition. Right. For me to not be able to reap what I sowed. It was a very, very hard to watch some of my best friends and teammates to do it, to win it. It was amazing to see that, but it was also like, dang, I did right. I'm, I'm, the, older, I'm the older son in this. I, I put all the pieces together. Yeah. Like I put the work in. I sacrificed. Why am I not winning the national championship, right? Yeah. And so like, so was it even bittersweet to celebrate with them a little bit? Trust me, I was there. I was celebrating, but it was just, you know, going home. It was like, dang. I wish that was me, right? Like, I think that's an innate behavior in all of us. That's like, why wasn't that me? But again, I was, it took a lot of honestly self-work and reflection to be like, you know what? I have a teammate on there who lost her mom that season. Mm. And it was like, that's what it was about. That Mm. wasn't for me to win. That was for her to feel that, to experience that. Yeah. A bigger picture was painted. When I took a step back and I realized this isn't about me. Mm. This is for everybody else who deserves this win. So I can definitely relate to that. Oh, wow. What a great story. You got to take yourself out of it, right? We always talk about that. When there is less of me, there is more of you, meaning Jesus. And more of God and, and his rule. And by rule, I mean like kingdom, like more of the beauty of the kingdom and the and the grace and the love. And I love your perspective on that, Devin, and how you talked about almost you had to take a step back and... Mm-hmm. One of the things that kind of leaves us hanging in the story, by the way, is, and Jesus is a brilliant storyteller, but you know, we don't know how this ends. We we don't know if that older son ever was mature enough to take a step back and say, okay, this is a good thing. My my brother's home. I'm going to go join this party. Or if he just stayed bitter. Yeah. Or if he stayed in his room, right? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Wine schmine. I don't need no wine or pig or Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So we don't know how that ends, but you know, today I think we hear the word entitlement a lot, and uh, this was an entitled older son. And just a couple things, just a couple thoughts I had this week. You know, it's like you said, Devin, he obeyed all the rules, and, and he thought because of that, he deserved the blessing. Yeah, it's that transactional relationship that we talked about last week. 
Yeah, if I do the right things, like you said earlier, if I check all the boxes, then good things will happen. And I have a confession. You just kind of confess something, and I have a confession too. I've been preaching for well over 15 years um, on a little bit of a sabbatical doing this podcast, which I'm loving. But I can tell you guys that if I was preaching next Sunday, then I was on my best behavior Monday through Saturday. I would not cuss. I would not have bad thoughts. I would make sure that I was, I did this, you guys, like I was checking all the boxes because I thought if I'm on some really, really good behavior this week, if I'm doing the right thing, God is really going to bless me on Sunday morning with these amazing words I'm about to say. It's like, if you walk the walk, then you're going to be able to talk the talk. Yeah. And like, look at, like, look at me, God, I did really well this week. Look how well I, you know, behaved and I was a good Christian, so I know you're going to bless me Sunday morning, and I won't stutter, and I won't forget what I'm going to say. I mean, I literally have always struggled with that because I view it as a quid pro quo kind of relationship. It's like we have to take off that layer of us that we put out in front of others, and we just have to realize that God knows what we're doing. God knows who we are. (laughs) He's not surprised. He's not surprised. And we have to realize that and give ourselves grace that we're all works in progress here. Yes, always. We're all going to fall. We're all going to stumble. We all are going to show a little Pharisees in us. But Mm -hmm. as long as we try to tame that and control that and have that change of heart, that's where the change takes place. Yeah. Another thing too, Devin, I notice about this older brother is, he literally viewed his brother's sinfulness as totally unforgivable. I imagine the older brother maybe even had a story prepared for when his younger brother shows up. Like, see, like, see what he yeah. did. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe even use the expression, you little shit. Like, look at what you did to our family. You brought shame to our family. And I imagine this, this older brother being so pompous and, and so arrogant. And yet again, I have to hold this story up as a mirror. Hmm. And say, do I look at other individuals and view their sinfulness or their mistakes as unforgivable? Because there's a reason, Devin, why in the Lord's Prayer, like when we pray, we're to say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned or trespassed against us. We are in great need of forgiveness ourselves. Always. All we can do is extend that to other individuals. And that's why I feel so comfortable speaking with you about stuff in my life. It's because I feel your love and I feel your grace. And you always say, I can only give that to you because I have been one to receive it first. Yeah. I've had to humble myself and uh, ask forgiveness from others. Just a, a quick story. Some of you who are listening know this, but my mother passed away in August of 2021. And um, my mother and I sometimes had a very up and down relationship. And about, I don't know, 25 or so years ago, I, I just... I said some horrible things to my mom. I even wrote her a letter and told her how much I didn't like her. And I mean, I, it was horrible. I can't even remember what I said to her. And uh, it's because she was calling me out on some things I was doing, and I didn't like that. And, and uh, literally just a couple years ago, I had never gathered up the courage to go back to my mom and, and apologize. I mean, 20-some, close to 30 years had passed, you know, since I had done that. And mm-hmm. We lived all those years with that just kind of living below the surface. And I'll never forget, it was a Super Bowl Sunday. And I was going over to watch the game with my dad because my mom was going to go out and just hang out with some friends. Or she was going to go out, I like to say, cat around and do something. I don't know what it was. I show up at my dad's and there's my mom. And um, she was in the kitchen. 
And I walked in and I heard a voice tell me, and I know it was God. He said, do it now. Mm. And I knew exactly what he was saying. It was ask for forgiveness. And I was like, I don't want to do this now. And he said, go ahead. It's okay. Do it now. And I, out of nowhere, I, I said, mom, do you remember that letter I wrote you like 25, 30 years ago? And she said, yeah. And I said, I'm so sorry that I ever said those things to you. And she said, it's okay, Julie. She goes, I knew it wasn't you that was actually saying those harsh words, that you were in a bad place. And I said, what did you ever do with that letter, Mom? And she goes, I tore it up after I read it. And um, it was really humbling. You know, when I say that I can extend love and grace to you, Devin, it's because I've been the recipient. And I bet you, just to compare it to this story here, I bet you she wrapped her arms around you. She, of course, you know, my mom, mm-hmm. she, and people listening who knew my mom know if my mom was one thing, she was a hugger. Yeah. And, uh, at the same time, Devin, it was hard to receive that hug because I felt like I, I wasn't really deserving of that, but yeah, that's what unconditional love looks like. That's what grace looks like. The last thing I noticed about this brother before we wrap it up is, you know, he resented his father's joy and he refused to share in it. And I imagine he saw his father's devastation when the son left the first time and just his inability to connect with the heartbreak his father must have felt. And then his ultimate refusal just to celebrate. Devin, you remember what happened in the two stories prior to this one, when we talked about the coin and the lost sheep? Yeah. How did Jesus end both of those stories with a call for people to what? Celebrate. Yeah celebrate. I I found a lost coin. Yes. Celebrate. I found my lost sheep. And here we see a call to celebrate. My son who was lost is now found. The son who is dead is alive again. I think that's a challenge for all of us is to not be blinded by our own goodness or our own righteousness and to recognize that we all are recovering Pharisees. We all are a work in progress. All of us. Every single day. And that's the thing is that I don't think we're ever going to reach a point where we're like, all right, I made it. Like, we're <laughs> I hate to tell you, but we're never going to arrive. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. We will all be forever works in progress. And I think that's where grace is extended for ourselves. And that grace can be extended to those around us. I couldn't have said it better myself, Devin. Beautifully said. What I love about this story, too, is that you know, the father probably didn't go off when the, the night ended and everybody was cleaning up. And the next day, everybody woke up, maybe hungover, mm. maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they like to party. There yes. was a lot of wine, of course. Yes. yes. The father didn't say, hey, everybody, I want to let everybody know that I just welcomed my son back into the house. Mm. Mm. Like he mm. was gone. He was out acting a fool. I want everybody to know that I love him. He didn't do that. Jesus did most of his healings in his miracles and private. He would have gone on like the father did here the next day in normal life. Yeah. He didn't need to shout it from the rooftops. It's like uh, the amazing Bob Goff. He's a great author. He wrote the book Love Does. It's like a secret invisible cape that you put on. Oh, I love that. When you're sharing the good news, nobody needs to know about it. Just go on with your secret invisible cape. I never thought of it like that. But you're right. The Pharisees would have jumped up and made the announcement and... Mm -hmm. The father is telling the uh, the older son, you know, your brother is home. But the action said it all. You know, he put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and, and wrapped a robe around him. His actions were showing, I'm reinstating him into the family. Yeah. 
I mean, Jesus, that's good news. Really good news. So what can we take away from this story? I think it's that we know we've all been the younger son, that we have strayed away from the love of the father, acted a fool, as you say, Devin, and Mm -hmm. gone our own way. And most certainly we've been like the judgmental older brother. Yeah. But Devin, let us never forget that we are called to love others like the father. The cross represents so much, obviously. But to me, it also represents, you know, you're loving upwards in relation with Jesus but you're also loving outwards to those around you. It's the vertical love of the Father with the horizontal aspect that we're loving others. And you kind of find yourself in the center of that, right? Right, where the two points meet, that's us. Yeah. Oh, I never thought of it like that. That's beautiful. That's the love that we have to give ourselves in order to extend upward and outward. Mm-hmm. So this is just great news. We hope you've really enjoyed this story. It's worth going back in and rereading, knowing some of the context that we've shared. I hope that you go back and revisit Luke 15 uh, over and over again. If you're ever feeling like you need uh, the reassurance of the love of the Father, I hope that you'll go back to the story of the two sons and the grace-filled dad. Well, we love you. We don't even know who's listening, but... But we hope that, you know, if you are listening and you're feeling alone, you're feeling, um, you feel like you've wandered even too far away, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Devin, can you share with them how they can reach out to us and, and drop us a note? Yeah. So visit us at stovelegcom slash holy. That's S-T-O-V-E-L-E-G.com slash holy. And I just want to touch on that real quick. We put holy there because the word holy is translated to set apart. Yeah. And we want this time for you to be set apart. Aside from your, you know, the hustle and bustle of everyday life, we want you to be able to just take this time, listen to the podcast, reflect on your own life, your own journey. So visit us there and that's where you can share any prayer requests so we can pray with you or share good news of your own. We'd love to hear it. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe we could even share the good news on the podcast. Of course, anonymously, we wouldn't out anyone, so to speak, but the world is short on good news. So please share the good news with us. So Julie, what are we going to be talking about next week? Yeah, if you want to read ahead, let's stay in the book of Luke. And I think, Devin, when you and I first started Bible study, we we went back-to-back parables. I think we talked about the parable of the prodigal son, and then we went to the parable of the Good Samaritan, because I think those two are the most commonly known parables. And so let's back it up. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. We're going to be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan next week. And I think that's only going to be, we'll only talk about that for one week and then we'll move on. But read ahead, you guys, see what you think about this parable and and we're going to break it down next week. Awesome. And one last bit of housekeeping here. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast. And if you don't like it, too bad. We're still going to share the good news. (laughs) We're still going to spread it. We're still going to do it. You cannot stop us. So on behalf of Julia and myself, here's the good news. May we be it, may we seek it, may we spread it. So pull up a seat. There's no reservation needed. Be well, friends.